We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. E. Welcome to episode eight of the Principal Cast podcast, hosted by Teresa Stagger, Jessica Johnson, and myself, Spike Cook. Principal Cast is a weekly roundtable discussion about current topics in education leadership. For more information, please visit our website at principalcast.com. Tonight, we're excited to welcome an education author, speaker guru, Todd Whitaker, to the Principal Podcast. He is one of the nation's leading authorities on staff motivation, teacher leadership, and principal effectiveness. He's written over 30 books that include a national bestseller, What Great Teachers Do Differently. Also, he's written books such as Shifting the Monkey, Dealing with Difficult Teachers, The 10-Minute In-Service. Tonight, we're going to be talking with him about a lot of things, and also, he's going to be talking with us a little bit about his latest book, which was published last month called The Secret Solution. It was co-authored by Ryan Donlin and Sam Miller. So, Todd, welcome to Principal Cast. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. I'm very excited. I'm honored. We had you scheduled for a, f a few weeks ago, but I think uh, you got a little sick, so you weren't able to make it. Yeah, no, it was, was kind of sad. I uh, I went to the doctor, and you know how we're all experts now because we'll just Google our symptoms. Mm -hmm. And my symptoms, uh, I, I thought I had walking pneumonia. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, uh, you're very close. Because you don't have walking pneumonia, you have dancing pneumonia. And I said, I said, dancing pneumonia, what's that? And he said, well, you feel really bad, but you got moves like Jagger. So uh, anyhow, and in that honor, I brought a little prop here. A Mick Jagger doll, I mean, a little Mick, Mick Jagger stagging doll. doll, doll. Awesome. Um, and anyhow, while I was at the doctor, I, I asked him, I had a few questions for him. And I said, uh, uh, doctor, when I get feeling better, will I be able to play the accordion? And he said, well, I, I suppose so. And I go, great. I go, I have always wanted to be able to play the accordion. <laughs> and then um, then I go, will I be able to sing like a Harry Connick Jr.? 
And he looked puzzled, and he kind of goes, well, I guess. And I go, great. I go, I love Harry Connick Jr. And then I said, when I get feeling better, will I be as good-looking as Spike Cook? <laughs> and, and he said, Todd, I'm a doctor. I'm not a miracle worker. So anyhow, that's as good as that's that's awesome. Well, Todd, I am um, <laughs> right now. Funny, does he? This is in trouble. This is bad news. See, right now I'm doing No Shave November. So, what I was going to encourage you to do, if you wanted to join for the rest of November, I, um, I'm not going to shave tonight. Okay, don't shave tonight, and then Deal. that would be yeah. Look, I'm also joining No Shave November. Uh, me too. Check it out. But no, look, I'm using the toolbox. Oh, are you? I'm sorry, I got lost. Yeah, I've In actually the... got a mustache and a beard. No. Here, let, hold on, let me get my iPad and I'll pull up a picture of someone with a beard and hold it up in front of the camera. There you go. <laughs> Unfortunately, Bill Walton shaved his beard, um, but he used to have a really good beard. Yes, he did. Yes, yes he, he did. did. So, Spike, Todd. Spike, before yeah, we start, wait. Jerry Garcia. Spike, before we start, really quickly, I sent out the link to join the Hangout, but I didn't send out the link to view um, the chat, the the on-air link. Did they give you a link? The only link that I have is um, the one that's at the, the top, and I, if you want me to... Yeah, can uh, you send it out, and then I'll retweet it from the Principal Cast account? Sure. And are we sure that we are recording? We are recording. All right. Sweet. Okay, Jess, why don't you ask Todd the first question? All right, Todd. I would be happy to ask him the first question. I just called you Todd. That's fine. That's Whoever. great. That's my name. This is perfect. I'll just call. All right. So, Todd, I was looking at your website, which I know is ages old, as you've told me. One of the keynote session titles that I found on your website is called Everyone's Been on a Diet, which is focuses on boosting morale, not on actually being on a diet. Can you share with us some of your tips for principles on boosting morale? Um, well, you know what's interesting is uh, the, I have a book called Feeling Great about the educator's guide to eating better, exercising smarter, and feeling your best or something. And I wanted to call it Everybody's Been on a Diet because I thought that was a ton cleverer name. And my publisher, who doesn't necessarily have the same marketing twist, said, he goes, well, I've never been on a diet. And I go, yeah, but everybody knows what that means. And he goes, but I've never been on a diet. So we changed the name to Feeling Great, thus it sold like six copies. Um, I don't think I've even I That's like your one book that I don't have. There you go. Well, uh, and if you if you pick one up, it'd be seven. So, All right. <laughs> uh, if, if, anyhow, um, it, it is about taking care of yourself. Because I motivate inspiring teachers is about taking care of everybody else in your organization and feeling great or everybody's been on a diet is about taking care of yourself. And so that's kind of what that's about. And I don't know that that's the question you want, so let ask the question again. Uh, just some, some tips, some of your best tips for principals on boosting morale. Okay, probably the, you have two things. One, you think of it as a whole group and you think of it as an individual. I was doing a workshop last week and one of the examples I gave is I used to go into my best teacher's classroom and I'd sit there for two minutes and I'd write, or, write him or her a note and I'd say, I was sitting in my office and I forgot what school was. Because as you know, if we sit in our office, we forgot what school was. And I said, and I wanted to come in your classroom for one minute so that I could remember what school is. Thanks for taking care of the students here. Thanks for helping take care of me. I appreciate what you do. Little notes like that mean so much to people. And it's just kind of that constant reminder. 
And with, with great people, you don't have to stroke them every day, but you just need to throw them a bone every once in a while, and they'll run for weeks. And in addition to doing it with a whole group, you know, one of my favorites that, that anybody who's heard me present or, or sometimes I mention is the idea of sending Christmas cards to the parents of every faculty and staff member and writing something in it like, um, we'd like to share with you one of our valued treasures here at Lewis and Clark Middle School. He or she makes our school a better place in which to learn. We wish you a wonderful holiday season, and what a difference that makes. But if I don't treat you with respect and dignity every day, big events like that are a joke. So the first thing is, is starting with treating everybody with respect and dignity every single day. Todd, you, you talked a little bit about... Um you know, taking care of yourself, and you know, I've heard you speak, and and you you integrate that a lot into your um, into your presentations. You know, you talk about being at the gym, you talk about being on runs. I, I can see, you know, in your background there, you have a uh, some sort of race that you finished. Uh, you know, talk to us a little bit about how you uh, have integrated that and why that is important, because we. You know, we we all suffer from that. You know, cycle of sacrifice, the cycle of renewal. You know, how do we balance it? And and being these high pressure jobs, it can be really difficult. Right, and, and I think that's so essential. Um, and everybody has to find out what works best for them. So I don't ever mean to pretend, but for me, one of the things is I have to exercise every single morning. And even if it means that, because I, I do a lot of leaving really early, I'll fly in someplace where my flight will leave at 5.15, I live an hour from the airport, I'll get up at 2.30 in the morning and go and run just so that I can feel better that day. And I used to always think as a principal, because every day as a principal I ran at 5.30 in the morning, and now I try to run and, and lift weights and, and do something every day. But I used to always think then, you know, if I could go and run five miles in the rain, that angry parent just doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And not that I'm discounting them, but it just causes you to not be rattled. You're so much calmer, in my opinion. And so for me, that was really an essential piece. And it's really just what everyone does. And I think the thing to understand about that is the real growth isn't from going from running three miles a day to running four miles a day. It's from doing nothing to doing something. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, so I have another question for you that was shared actually from a principal in Indiana, Todd. Um, you know, many states these days are moving to like a school or a district ranking system. Um, sounds like Indiana might be going to an A to F system. What advice do you have for principals as they continue to keep up the morale while leading buildings through these grading systems, which may lower their morale? Right. Well, I think there's two things. One thing is if we want to be able to protect people when we get a bad rating, We've got to be careful and not make our school about us only a celebration when we get a good rating. In other words, if I'm going to pretend that test scores aren't everything, then when test scores have success, I can't act like they are everything. And I think we do a lot of that. You know, where all of a sudden our, our test scores will have gone up, our, our school rating will go up, so we throw a celebration and banner and do all this kind of stuff, and then somehow or another when they go down, we then try to pretend that it doesn't mean anything. And I think you can't have it both ways. I think you've got to choose what really is most important and, and focus on that. So I don't think, I know this is a tough thing, I think things like rating and test scores are a challenge, but I think that if I make you feel special, that rating and test score is not going to make you feel not special. And I think that's what we have to do. And the difference is, if I do that every single day, then this one event isn't going to be the death blow to me. But if I don't do it, we can't overcome that. 
So how do you deal, uh, Todd, with the uh, sort of the growing um, accountability uh, that we have in this country with the, you know, the Common Core, with the increase of state testing? Um, you know, what are you like, what are your thoughts about that? And, and how do you like, what type of suggestions would you make for us who are, you know, dealing with this on a day to day basis, knowing that, the, you know, there's there's a lot of questions to be answered? Right. And, I, you know, it, it's very interesting. I work with a lot of professional coaches also, which is really strange that I get into that. And I work, I mean, like football, basketball, professional coaches. And one of the things that's interesting is there are coaches that have developed personal credibility with people so that when their one loss record isn't as good as they want, they have a much wider swath of acceptance. They have much less under the, they're much less under the gun than a coach that's rude and disrespectful to people, you know, where they're waiting for one slip up of that person so they can finally get rid of them because of the interpersonal things. I mean, I think that's where the foundation and base has to be. We have to help people understand. You know, we did a study of hundreds of schools and we looked at schools that exceeded expectations on student achievement and schools that underperformed. And based on their socioeconomic status as a predictor of student achievement, and then we went to some of the schools with the high, with the that exceeded uh, their predicted student achievement and ones that underperformed. And one of the things that I think is most interesting is the definition of student achievement with schools that exceed expectations is much bigger than the definition of student achievement that underperform. And think about this: if every student in your school is coming home and saying great things about their teachers, great things about their school, how excited they are about learning. Do you understand how much more support you have from your community, regardless of what the letter grade is that comes out? That doesn't mean you don't want to explain the letter grade, share it, and continue to work on that, because that's the game that's being played. But if that's the only thing you're hanging your hat on, because I can tell you one other thing. Schools, you know, one of the things I've, I've talked to state legislators in Indiana and other states about this. When you do your letter grade system, the only thing I want to tell you is this. If you really want to focus on quality of schools, then make sure that at least three of your high socioeconomic schools get F's and make sure at least three of your low socioeconomic schools get A's. And if it's not going to be like that, then what a joke that rating system is. That all of a sudden right. instead, you're not rating the schools. You know what you're rating? The students. And you're rating the students before the doors even start. And you just have to understand that. But where else we need support are from the, high, from the principles of high-achieving schools. The difference between the great principles of high-achieving schools and the crummy principles is massive. Do you know what great principals say? Of course we should get an A. Look at the students we have. How could we not? And you know what the crummy principals say? Man, look at the job I did. And it's just understanding that difference. You have ineffective teachers that hide behind high-achieving students. Right, right. And those are, the, those are harder schools to change than ones with low-achieving, than, than with uh, low socioeconomic schools. Students, that that's interesting because I, I am right. I am in that boat that that you're talking about. Uh, you know, I'm in one of the regional achievement centers of um, of New Jersey. So that's you know for the the low performing, we're labeled a um, a focus school. Um, not uh, like that's like the middle of the road in you know bad achievement, so to say. And it's not. But then there's these priority schools. But one of the things that we worked on was basically doing like almost a PR campaign. You know, and there are parents and grandparents who've told me, like, even like out at dismissal, like that they had the choice to send their kids somewhere else because, you know, how you can do that in certain cities where you can just right. use somebody else's address or whatever. 
So part of them are listening to the, you know, the drumbeat of the failing schools. And then part of them are listening to like what you were saying, like what people say and what students say when they go home. So that's why, you know, we've really focused on social media. We focused on telling our story. We focused on, um, you know, making sure that we get pictures and videos up so that we create that image. And then when we look at, you know, at the rankings, you're exactly right. It's not like we have a ton of people who are flocking away from us because of those, because locally, I don't know if they really put as much credence into that. Right. You, you know, Spike, this sounds kind of funny. And they're really, even though I, I seem like a complete total goof most of the time because I'm really in their self-entertainment business, most of the things I say actually do have a purpose. <laughs> do you know the reason I, I say, and I truly mean this, the only two ways to improve a school are hire better teachers and improve the ones you got. Mm -hmm. Jessica has young children. If her kids come home every day and absolutely love their teacher, do you know there's no chance in the world she's going to consider sending her kid to a different school? There's no chance in the world with that. But I want to be honest with you. You look at most schools, they've done, people have done almost nothing to improve their teachers. They've done almost nothing to hire absolutely outstanding teachers. We do so much settling. And the reason I focus on that is you have control and influence over that versus going, why doesn't somebody do something about these state legislators? Where is that down the road? You tell me, Spike, what influence you have on your state legislators. It's so small it isn't even funny. And I know you're a powerful, high-wielding guy. But what you do have control over is how we treat people in our own school, how we interact with them, parent-teacher conferences. What do you do to make sure everybody gets there so you can sell your school? Back-to-school night, open house night. We would personally call every single household. We had 1,350 kids. And we would personally call 1,350 homes and invite them to our open house night because I wanted a glad hand. I want every person to come to love it. Think how many of us, and, and, and the educational leaders here, and the people even of their colleagues, how many of you have a couple teachers in your school, you know the first day of school when some of the kids walked in there, they did not have a chance. They literally did not have a chance in that classroom. And if we don't do anything about them, I don't, I don't even understand what any of the A through F matters, what any of that matters. Th that's a good point. And, and I think you speak a lot to that because I guess I would follow that up with asking, you know, so then how do we um, – and I know this is one of your favorite things to talk about. So then how do we make sure that we are not blanketing, um, you know, our teachers and we are not making sure that um, – you know, sending those blanket emails out and, and uh, you know, impacting. Is that a model teacher. over your shoulder there? Or is that somebody getting a banana off the tree there? It's actually my daughter who was just trying to get in and say hello. Hi, Kathy. How are you doing? If she was any better looking, Spike, I'd swear she was adopted. Okay. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, it's uh, you know, it's nine fifty one. I'm a you know educator, and I put my my kids to bed you know very late. <laughs> I, don't, I I think I think they sleeping, said some of the school's tired and hungry. The school that's right. <laughs> they take care of them. That's right. It's it's <laughs> she'll be she'll be up till about twelve tonight. Yeah, in about ten minutes, Spike's gonna scream, "Cut me a switch!" and we're gonna get to see some good action there. So <laughs> Uh, so, um, so, so like I was asking you then, so, so talk about how, how we can avoid, you know, putting everyone in the same, in the same pile. Like you, you always right. talk about, you know, our, our best and our crummy. 
Right. Oh, the first thing you have to understand is the difference between effective people and ineffective people is not a sliver. It is a cavern. Never generalize anything. Never generalize about, I'm a, I'm a college professor, which explains a lot of things. I never generalize about college professors. I never generalize about principals, superintendents, board members, legislators, nobody. Because the difference between the good ones and the bad ones is such a wide cavern, it's unbelievable. But think about dealing with changes in your state. In New Jersey, you have rapid fire changes, but so does every other state. So does Wisconsin, and so does, what's the other state that, uh, I forgot where she's at. Michigan. Michigan. So does Michigan. And so does Indiana, where I live, in Missouri, where I used to live. You know what? I never generalize. Hi, in Michigan. I never generalize um, about uh, uh, teachers. In other words, think about this. You'll never hear a great teacher say this. You will never hear a great teacher say all the teachers in this school are great. You will never hear a great teacher say that because great teachers won't lie. And you hear crummy teachers say all the time, all the teachers are great. All the teachers are great. Every teacher is great. All the teachers are great because they're including them. A great principal will never say all the teachers in this school are great because they won't lie. They will not lie. They'll say we have a lot of great teachers. Crummy principals all the time say all the teachers are great because you know what that means? I don't have to do anything. It means I don't have to do anything. As changes occur in a state, do not reassure all your teachers. Reassure all your good teachers. 95% of the teachers, do you know what I'm saying to them? It's going to be fine. I don't, care what the, I don't care what the standard is. It is going to be fine. We have the best school in the state. We're going to continue to have the best school in the state. We're going to figure this out. Your ineffective teachers, you know what you say to them? You must feel like you've got a target on your back. You must feel like you're in a tunnel and trains are coming from both directions. I bet you're going to be so stressed this summer because you want them to be concerned about something. You want them to worry and plan. Your effective people have so much worry on them. That's what shifting the monkey is. It's putting responsibility and taking it off of the good people and putting it on some of the people who take little or no responsibility in what's taking place. We cannot generalize. We have to differentiate, and we have to be strong in differentiating that way. And if you don't deal with your ineffective teachers, you lose the morale of your good teachers. There's, yeah. Believe me, ineffective teachers in a school do more to hurt the morale of your best teachers than any A to F grading system does. That's the truth. How, how many of you have at least one teacher in your school that would like it if they could make the principal cry? <laughs> Just one? Yeah, I, I'm trying to be kind there. <laughs> And you know what's interesting? How many have at least one teacher that would like it if they could make the new pretty young teacher who's better than they are cry? Mm -hmm. And we allow people like that to have kids in their classroom, and you're worried about the A to F grading system? And I'm not talking about you. I don't even get that. As a principal, none of that other stuff ever worried about me. If we have all great teachers, every kid in our school is going to say good things about our school. We're going to maximize learning. I'll take any competition on because everybody's going to want to be in my school. That's the least of my concerns. You always have the best advice, Todd. I make it all seem so easy. It's not. It, you know what? I almost. You know what? My book, What Great Teachers Do Differently, was almost called truthfully. It's simple. It's just not always easy. Yeah. Mm. It is simple, but it's not easy. It is not easy to get rid of your crummy teachers, but it's very simple. You better. Mm -hmm. All right. Next question, Tad, can you tell us one or two or three of the biggest pitfalls that you see principals falling into? Yes, I can, but I'm not going to. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to rapid fire? Jeez. Yeah, what's your favorite color? Bonus round. 
Um, <laughs> there's excellent party guests tonight, too, which is exciting. Um, you know, the biggest disadvantage, I don't know about common pitfalls, except I will say this, the biggest disadvantage a principal has is if they've never worked with a great principal. Mm. And, and great people are so rare. It, you know, what's interesting is, if you think about this, average people are never great, but at times they're crummy. Because great people don't complain, they don't want, they don't do that. That's just not part of their makeup. But even the real solid people, when they're in a bad mood or they're tired or they're worn out, they complain, they gripe, they whine, and they act just like the ineffective people. Um, so, so always be aware of that. Um, but that's the biggest disadvantage. If people think about this, great principals have faculty meetings teachers look forward to and value. We've never found an exception. I am 100% confident that there's never been a great principal that didn't have faculty meetings teachers look forward to and value, and I'm confident there's never been an average principal that teachers did. But if you've never seen that, look how hard it is to just come up with that on your own. So, Jessica, I don't know that there's a pitfall. I think it's more we've got to make every decision based on our best people. We've got to treat everybody with respect and dignity. I think it's the difference between kill them with kindness and shifting the monkey. Kill them with kindness focuses on the ineffective person. Shifting the monkey focuses on the effective people. And, and most principals don't deal with their ineffective teachers because they've never seen a principal deal with their ineffective teachers. But education isn't different than it. all other businesses are the same way, too. I mean, it isn't like schools are... I love it when I hear people say, we need to be more like business. I always say, what business? Tell, tell me the perfect business. Is it the cable company where we only need a six-hour slot that we have to wait and hope somebody comes <laughs> and can actually do it correctly? I mean, it's, you know, it's, is, it, is it McDonald's is the perfect business? Well, if it is, how come Burger King can't be like them then? Since it's, all you have to do is snap your fingers. It's hard. It's really hard. All the, right. the, probably the biggest pitfall is not being more like Jessica. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, exactly. No, just, you know, and I've heard you many times, so it might just be that you stay in my head, but the, those messages that you give um, all the time of, you know, always think of your best teachers or don't give blanket monkeys. Um, Keith Richards. <laughs> like those, you're like in my head a lot, like as I'm playing through situations like, okay, what would Todd do? <laughs> It, it's really funny, but one of the reasons I kind of, Warren Buffett is, a, is somebody that I think is unbelievably wise about the world, not about money, just about the world. And the other day he was on a show and I was watching, following Twitter while he was on the show talking, and somebody goes, I've heard him say that before. And you know what I tweeted? I hope. Mm. I hope we, what I hope, I hope when I hear Spike's advice, Two years from now, I don't hear I don't hear different advice from Spike. Mm -hmm. I want to know the same thing because I'm hoping he has it right. Right. And when when we hear people change, think about the state legislature. What's the problem? The same people who made the last decision wrong are making the next decision. Why do we have any faith that it's going to be right? I don't even understand that. Why do we think people who were incorrect before are now correct? There's almost no chance they've done that. Your best teacher wasn't wrong for three years, and now they figured it out. They were right the day they were born. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't, so, I don't know who I heard this from, but um, my admin team heard somebody speak, and he said, you know, if your staff can't do an impersonation of you, then you haven't been giving them the same message enough times. So. I don't know, just oh, well, I think if your staff can do an impersonation of you and they suck, probably so do you. 
<laughs> so, Todd, you've done a lot of writing about uh, principals. You've done a lot of writing about teachers. Have you uh, thought about writing a book about superintendents? Um, I have a book in mind. Uh, I, we did a study uh, where we looked at um, – I forgot what the name of it is. It's really catchy too, because um, the district—it's based on a dissertation where we looked at the five best superintendents in a state and looked at how they made decisions during the crisis time with absolutely no money. And so we have that all carved out, and it's really for all leaders. But I want to focus on writing it just for superintendents. Leadership during difficult times oh. is what it's called. Leader, and it's it's phenomenal. And and what these five best people have in common. Is, is incredibly helpful to the whole world in everything we do. The other book I want to write for superintendents is called The Hero Maker because I'm completely clear in my mind that great superintendents know their school boards want to be heroes. Every board member wants to be a hero. The rogue board member who gets on the board to fire the football coach, do you know why they want to fire the football coach? So they'll be a dang hero. That's right. The superintendent who's just there to try to be a positive influence with kids do you know why they want to be a positive influence with kids? So they'll be a hero. And what the superintendents have to do is understand how to teach their board members that doing the right thing will make them more of a hero than doing the thing they may have thought that would make them a hero when they got on the board. And the great superintendents can do that, and the average superintendents can't. You know, so, Todd. I'll give you one example. And I'll, yeah. I'll, I was keynoting a state superintendents conference recently at a very large state, and... Um, and anyhow, I was talking to one of the superintendents, you know, you know, during the budget crisis, which every state has, and we've always been in a budget crisis our whole life, anyhow. So, but one of them goes, um, uh, Todd, the biggest problem we have is developing a budget. And I said, you're so wrong, it's not even funny. The biggest problem, the biggest challenge you have is getting people to accept your budget. Mm. A monkey can develop a budget, but getting people to accept a budget is a real skill. Making a decision spike is not hard. Getting people to accept your decision, that's a skill. Think about this. Your best teachers can tell the kids yes or no, and the kids don't have a qualm with it. Your worst teachers can't tell the kids yes or no, and the kids aren't arguing with it. The best parents can tell their kids yes or no, and the kids will accept it. The worst parents, the kids will argue about it. So understand, that's the skill we have to develop in people. It isn't the judgment. It's how we handle it, how we communicate it, how we share that, how we sell that. That's the decision. So that kind of leads me into the, the next question, which is the, the new book that you wrote. Um, is that Tony? Hi, Tony. Can you wave? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, he's taking a <laughs> Tony taking can a talk break. if he wants to. He's, he's taking a break from his, um, his dissertation. dissertation. Yeah, and he's... He, actually, he actually is one of our first guest hosts on he the was. show. He was. I love Oh, he's Todd. holding up an I love Todd. Tony, do you remember my advice about dissertations? I said, I said, when somebody asks you what you're going to do your dissertation on, you're supposed to tell them, I'm hoping three to five sheets of paper, but I don't know if they're going to love me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they accept that. Tony, if you want to unmute your mic and ask a question, go for it. I, I really, Tony makes me nervous, but go ahead. <laughs> he's, he's writing on napkins. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's in a coffee shop right now. Or yeah, something. I can't unmute you, but if you okay. want to unmute you. There you are. I, I'm just saying hello because, Todd, you are like my idol, so I have to say <laughs> hi. I am actually 
huddled in my parents' basement writing my dissertation right now because my <laughs> wife threw me out. So here I am. <laughs> well, it is great to see you. By the way, about that idol thing, you know Tony's so full of it, you can cut off his head and dip it out. Now, we all know that, don't we? I just want to make sure that that's <laughs> the truth. It's the truth. <laughs> How's the dissertation coming along? It is coming along. It is coming that's along. It's only the first, the first part of the... Uh, the proposal, but it's coming along. Raise your hand if you want to read Tony's dissertation. Raise your hand. Look at all the hands going up. Jessica, I'm going to email you all a copy in a little while. Don't worry. <laughs> he has until 11.59 to email it tonight. Yes, that gives me an hour and uh, 55 minutes. She's central time. Take she's central time. Milk it for all it's worth, Tony. <laughs> they're all they're all in Philadelphia, Todd. They're not helping me with the central time. <laughs> oh, sorry. How are you, Todd? How is Beth? Uh, I'm doing good. Beth's a little moody, but other than that, all's well. <laughs> Shift the monkey. Shift the monkey. Shift the monkey back to her. I think the next podcast we're gonna get Beth on here. Yes. And then we're going to have some real rapid-fire questions. Oh, you know what? Uh, my theory is just keep her liquored up. Everything seems to go better whenever it's like that. So. That's, that's so, Todd, tell us a little bit about your new book. You wrote it in a much different way than you've written the other books. Um, you know, tell our, our listeners, too, like why, why they would want to read it. Um, well, it's interesting. Speaking of social media, I have written two books now with people I've never met that I've only interacted with on Twitter. Isn't that amazing? I mean, then email after that, but that I've still never met. And uh, interesting, with Sam Miller and Ryan Donlan, this book is called The Secret Solution, and I, um, I, uh, Sam had written the book and sent it to me and asked for input, and it was uh, a little more of a traditional book and about kind of about how we have people skills and we have task orientation and, you know, and kind of how do you work with that. And I felt like there was something there, but I felt like it read like lots of other books and stories. And so I had actually just taken my son to New York, and we went and saw uh, the play Lucky Guy with Tom Hanks. And I was thinking of the playbill, and so I came up with the concept of having a writing a parable with a hypothetical principal named Roger Rookie, who's trying to figure out how do I operate and within his school, he has, and there's teachers with funny names like Jerry, Gerrymander, and stuff like that. That at least I think is funny. And um, uh, there's the, you know, it's kind of in every situation when he does something, here's what happens with the negative teachers. Here's what happens with the best teachers. Here's what happens with the new teachers. And here's what happens with sort of the, 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 the lemmings, the crowd that follows everyone else. And he tries different personalities and then figures out the real secret solution to being an effective leader. And I felt like it was easier to write in that fashion than it is to try to do research and things like that. And it reads like a story. Jessica's read it. And, yeah, uh, it, it, it was, I, I mean, I read every, all of your books, and I read many leadership books, but it was an easy read because it was like reading a novel. But you still get a lot of great leadership tips out of it. See, I was waiting until he got over a pneumonia to come on the uh, podcast to, to read it. So. <laughs> Wait, are you um, going to do a read aloud, Todd? Are you going to read portions? Are you going to read to us? Actually, I've got these stackable Rolling Stone dolls, and I'm going to have each one of them play different characters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so Ronnie Wood is going to be um, Nellie Newcomer. And um, so if you could, I'm kidding. Uh, He's giving out uh, free copies to anyone who's in their mom's basement right now writing their dissertation. <laughs> yes, I oh, am. Absolutely. Autograph copies. 
<laughs> writing their, only if they're writing their dissertation on a napkin. Uh, listen, <laughs> I'll pay you. I'll pay you to write my dissertation for me. <laughs> Keep the copy. <laughs> and by the way, if you do it, I would destroy, destroy this recording. That was yes. just a little yeah, tiny that's piece right. of advice there. Also, I was not here if anyone asks. <laughs> Tony, who? That's my advice. Right. Well. Right. Here's a good question for you. You're you're a, a professor now, Todd. Um, you know, with the advent of social media and you know all the things that that we can do, learning twenty four seven, is it worth it to even to get a, a dissertation anymore to 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 get a doctorate? Um, really, really, Spike. <laughs> you don't know what well, I have I, to say about a doctor. You know what? I Why don't we just all go to Tony's house and kick him in the shin? I think that'd be fine. You know what's really interesting is one of the challenges in education when you think about educational research is there's no way to have a control group. In education, you're never going to have a control group. You never take half the kids, lock them in a closet, teach the other half, and then break them out and compare them. But I think, or at least you don't do that twice. Uh, anyhow, uh, the thing I think that's, that was supposed to be funny. I don't know why anyone's not laughing at that moment. <laughs> I laughed. I laughed. Okay, good. Thank you, Tony. Let's leave him on. Oh, I'm Let's sorry. I'm sorry. Todd, are you still on? <laughs> <laughs> Now Spike's the funny guy. I don't like it. <laughs> it on my nerves. I think my pneumonia's coming back. Um, <laughs> That's all right. We got at least 40 minutes in. <laughs> 40 minutes, but it seems like three hours. Or is that just... Not <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> what was the question? I don't even know. <laughs> dissertation. Oh, dissertation. Should, yeah, should I think the logic flow of a dissertation... You know, I, I love to work with dissertations That's I, I don't have very many strengths, but one of them is I think like a dissertation, and I always say that's why I don't have any friends, and my wife always says, Todd, that's not why you don't have any friends. But there's a <laughs> logic like to a it that goes... Well, he's going to explain that, Jess, if you let him let him go. What, what would Jess do this question? I'm sorry. How do you think like a dissertation? There's a logic flow. In everything you do, there's a logic flow, and I think that if you think about it, the, the introduction to a dissertation, ever, there's never a sharp turn. Every path you're starting down gets narrower and narrower and narrower, and there's a logic flow to the dissertation that, that separates the great dissertations from the others. The thing to keep in mind, whether you do a good dissertation or a bad dissertation, it's just as much work, so you might as well do it well. But you know what you need? Somebody who's good to help you, because nobody average can help you do a great dissertation because they don't know how. And But it's the... It's the logic flow of how can I try to isolate this variable, and it's the same thing you try to do in your school. Think how much in our school we do a test, we do this test this year, then the next year it's all different teachers, a bunch of different kids, a completely different approach, we have new textbooks, and then we do the test and then somehow we compare the results. We've done nothing to isolate anything at all, and somehow then we try to pretend there's cause and effect. So, I mean, when, when you look at that, are you looking at different forms like you're talking, you know, action research, qualitative, quantitative, you know, education? You know, and I know when I was going through mine, it was, you know, that was a big decision on, you know, how, how do we actually, um, you know, how do we actually put this together as practitioners? And I'm sure Tony's, you know, going through that right now. And, and you know, when you see it from the other side and you think about the logic, you know, wh where, where does that, wh where does that lead? Where's the best path that's right. going to lead you there? Well, keep in mind with dissertations, your second one's a lot easier to write than your first. But um, the uh, one way, to th what great principles do differently is based on dissertations. It's based on dissertations. 
And the concept is this. We had to find outstanding principals and ineffective principals. Then we physically went to those schools and looked for what is it the great principals do differently than the other principals. But if you don't go to both effective and ineffective, you don't ever know which ones are different. I always use the example when I present. If you go to four great principal schools and all four of those principals have a banner on the wall that says all kids can learn, do you have any idea why I might think those great principals? The answer is because they have a banner on the wall that says all kids can learn, by the way. So anyhow, <laughs> you, you have to go to crummy principal schools to see if any of them got a banner on the wall that says all kids can learn. And you have to isolate things like that all the time. And, and, you know, the fact that we found out great principals have faculty meetings teachers look forward to and value. We do that by going to outstanding principal schools and by going to non-outstanding principal schools. And you start to discover. For example, my own dissertation, I looked at four of the best middle schools in the state of Missouri when I was in Missouri and four of the worst principals in the state of Missouri, and I went to the schools. I, they, the stuff I found there was stuff that I still remember constantly, but if I hadn't done that, I would have never discovered. Great principals have, facu have uh, faculty members that they regularly go to for input before they ever make a decision. Ineffective principals not only do not have those people, they can't even identify those people even when prompted. If you ask an average principal, who are the four best teachers in your school, they don't even know what you're talking about. And that's their school. But if you don't go to them, do you see how you don't even... Think about this. And, and Tony, I'm going to pick on you just because you're there and you look real smart and everything. Tony, the, do your teachers, and maybe in your school they probably have done some walkthroughs together, so you may not be the example. But in the average principal school, the, the teachers do not, do not know who the best teacher is. They don't know who the worst teacher is. But even if they know, if they haven't gone in their rooms, average people cannot envision what the great principal's classroom is like. And luckily, they can't envision what the worst teacher's classroom is like because they can't believe there's anybody who ever talks in that tone and manner to the kids, mm -hmm. anybody who ever sits behind their desk too much, anybody who ever uses that many worksheets, anybody who ever is that uh, uh, disorganized or, or distant from the kids. They don't even know people like that exist. Yeah. And if you question it, think about this in schools. How many of you have at least one teacher that you're confident will not send a student to the office this year? How many have at least one teacher that does not know that's possible? <laughs> yeah. I don't mean won't. I mean does not know that's even possible. Mm -hmm. But if they could see that, if they could envision what that teacher's classroom was like, there's a chance then they could come closer to replicating it. Does that make any sense? It does. Yeah. A, a, so, book, a book I'm working on is how to get all teachers to be like the best teachers. And because I think that's the only solution. For every listener there are tonight, all three of them, if every teacher could become as good as their best teacher, they'd actually have something. The lowest socioeconomic school, the lowest performing school in the country, if every teacher could become as good as their best teacher, if every teacher in that school could become as good as their best teacher, think about the improvement that school would have. Todd, do you think that's possible? Like, I know it, you, you've written a lot about the top, you know, percent, right. you know, the superstars and this, that, and the other. I, I love that idea. I totally believe right. in that idea. Do you think it's possible? I think that if we get everybody in each other's rooms, I think if we do it non-judgmental, non-threatening ways, mm -hmm. I think that we can have those people act more like the best people. 
The yeah. difference is the very best people, Tony, can solve the next problem as soon as it comes, and average people can't. But they need the best people to solve it, and then they can imitate the best people. Yeah. Yeah. So, but think about this. In how many schools do we rotate whose turn it is to get student teachers? Do we rotate mentors? My school, none of my none of my teachers that are even average would ever get a student teacher. And you know what I tell the teachers? I can't give you a student teacher because I can't allow the student teacher to think that effectiveness is how you teach. And I give them exactly why. But they've already known this isn't the first conversation. But I go like pretend Tony. I go Tony. I cannot allow a student teacher to think that you're ever supposed to sit behind the desk at the ratio you do that you ever choose in that tone of voice and manner with the kids. I can't let them think that's how we're supposed to teach. I can't let them think we use worksheets like that. I can't let them think we show movies in this quantity. And as soon as you stop doing those things, then I'd consider giving you a student teacher. But in the meantime, it wouldn't be fair to the student teacher. And then what's going to happen is the student teachers imitate the average teachers because that's who we give them to. And I don't get that. I would never do that. I don't mean it mean, but I'd never get it. So, Todd, how do you deal with the great teachers who, um, when, when the principal knows that they're great, um, they know that they're great, their kids know that they're great, but they don't necessarily like being in the limelight. They don't mm -hmm. like dealing with the, the crabs of the schools or the crummy teachers. Right. What? Well, one way is, think about this. For example, I believe every inch of every school should look and feel like the best kindergarten teachers classroom you've ever been in your life. Should look alive, inviting, exciting. Where I'm talking about this is a former. This isn't some sissy elementary principal talking here. Hey, as a former middle school, junior high, and high school principal, and I took three of my teachers, my superstar teacher, but I took two backbones with her that had a lot of credibility in the faculty. weren't as good as her, but tried hard, were dedicated, were caring, wanted to be great, but really didn't know how. I took them over to visit another school under a pretense. It's a long story, and, and all my answers already seem like three hours. Anyhow, I know somebody just took a letter over and stuck it in their thigh to make sure they were still alive. But anyhow, <laughs> um, uh, I, I took them over to see this other school, and uh, this other school was decorated like I wanted mine like. What happened is these three teachers, one superstar and two solid backbones who have a lot of credibility, came back. And in three days, what do you think their rooms look like? They yeah, look yeah. better than that other school because mm -hmm. a superstar went there. The superstar helped the two average teachers' rooms look like the superstar's room. Now I trumpet all three of them. The pressure's not on the superstar. The pressure's on these three teachers, two of whom are highly accepted by the faculty, so that superstar doesn't feel isolated then because i got to protect that superstar. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes a yeah, lot of sense. Right. And it's not Thank isolating. Thank you, Todd. This was the best dissertation writing break I've taken of the day. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't taken too many breaks there now, have you? <laughs> I've, take, I've taken like 45. But this is the best one. <laughs> He's been boxing with me throughout the day. I'm to tell him to stop. Good night. Thanks, Tony. Good night. All right, Todd. Well, I, um, I'm curious, because you've written so many books, what has been your favorite book that you've worked on? Oh, baby. Mm. Uh, I'm trying I to know you don't read your own books. Rolling but... Stone guy is, I can't tell. What? <laughs> I know you don't read your own books, but which, I, which one I, was your favorite? I've never read any of them. Um, I write a book, and I turn it in because I can't stand reading it, because I'm on to the next thing. Yeah. 
I, you know, it's in my very first book, of course, was Funnest. Fun, is Funnest a word? You can tell I'm an excellent author. Um, <laughs> we can edit that out. Yeah, thank you. I need, that, I need that help, let me tell you. Um, I'm still working on air regardless. So, uh, <laughs> we actually my, don't know how to edit that out, so sorry, it's stuck. <laughs> I still giggle when we say dangling participles, so keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> Dealing with Difficult Teachers was my first book, so it has a special place in my heart. And I wrote that first because I think that's the single hardest thing to do. I, I truly do. I think for principals, that is the single hardest thing to do. How can I deal with my least effective teachers and do it in a way that I gain credibility with everyone else in the school? And I think you can do it, but you've got to know how. So that was important. I loved what great principals do differently because that's the closest to my spirit. Um, I don't know, probably those. I kind of like the ball, which popped into my head, and I wrote it. I was jogging on Memorial Day, or maybe it was Labor Day, one of the days. Maybe it was Arbor Day. I can't remember. Um, but I was jogging, and the book popped into my mind, and I wrote it that night, and that was nice. So, I don't know. You wrote that book in, the, in one night. I like that afternoon when I got But if you read it, I mean, you'll think, yeah. how did it No, I know. That long? It's still. I'm sure I've told you all. I, woke, I had a I dream that Alan Jackson was singing me a song. And I woke up at 2.30 in the morning, and I wrote the song and sent it to him. <laughs> well, I think, you know, dealing with difficult teachers is one of the hardest things that principals do have to do, um, and which I love that book. And then what great principals do differently, I would just have to say, if there's any principal listening who has not read that book, you must read it. I've read it every single summer before each new year as a principal, and I still get something new out of it each time. Well, you're you're very kind. Who's that there in the hockey jersey or the football jersey that's got the microphone muted? Who is that? Does anybody that know? Christine that's Christine Collins. Collins. It is Christine. She's been How you doing, Christine Collins? Chat. Where's Christine at? We have no idea. Christine, can you unmute? She she's in, in Chicago, Chicago and she's doing fine. She's. I says. thought that was a Chicago Bears jersey, yeah. but I wasn't going to say anything. I don't really like the Bears. Now she might have to. That's what happens when you're a Packers fan. I know. I know. So, okay, Todd, important Uh, question. Bears or Eagles or Packers? Well, I'm a Colts-Rams guy, and they played each other today, and somehow or another the uh, Rams slaughtered the Colts, so it's kind of mixed pain today. Favorite place to go in the country? Wow. Um, I'm a huge New York City fan because my son loves to go to New York City, and I take him there every fall break, and he wants to go to New York University and be do something in movies. So uh, that's probably my favorite place to go. Uh, favorite place in North America is Banff. Oh, yeah. If you've been to Banff, I love that. I'm presenting there again this summer. I'm doing a week-long workshop for Canadian principals in Banff, and I've been there three or four times and love that. And um, uh, I don't know. Wherever, wherever people are, I like to go there. I, I love working with principals and teachers. I'm so blessed. He loves Wisconsin the best. I love, we vac- vacation with love Wisconsin. My mom was born in Holcomb, Wisconsin, and we love to go to Baraboo, which is one of Jessica's favorite hangouts. <laughs> Where the circus is. Circus Town, USA, baby. <laughs> uh, and uh, I was going to actually try to join the circus, but uh, uh, I can't even tell you under what act. I realize we're on the air and I shouldn't tell you, but privately I'll tell you all what the act was. <laughs> I was going to be bearded man was what I was going to do, but it was uh, kind, of a, kind of a discount circus. So uh, anyway. Todd, 
most difficult question you ever got during a presentation? That one. Oh. Um, I, I was nobody even reacted to that. I thought that was a pretty good answer. Um, <laughs> you know what's interesting? I, I I don't have any strengths, but if I have any, it's answering questions because it's the same principles all the time. You know what I mean? It's and, and the thing that I like is once you learn the principles, you can answer the questions as well as I can answer the questions. So I, I don't really know that I've had any. One time, I, you have people who once in a while who you can tell are kind of the naysayers in their school. And I had somebody one time who was trying to, really trying to embarrass their principal by talking that said something like, what do you do if you have kids that do this and the principal won't do anything? And of course, the principal's in there, and I just said, "Boy, it sounds like you're having a terrible, terrible time managing your classroom." And I'm so sorry that the students don't have any respect for you because they were trying to embarrass somebody else there in the school. And that told you something about. And I'm not questioning the skills of the principal, but that tells you something about the person that they would go out of their way to try to humiliate someone else in front of a group of people. So that was embarrassing. But I don't know. I like questions. That's that's fun for me. And I, and I guess it's gotten easier as you've gone on. Like you said, once you've started to learn, um, you know, the, the principles, I guess it doesn't matter where you go, that they're, we're all kind of the same. Right. Well, you know, what's interesting is I became a principal. I was, I was a principal at 25. And I became a principal because I, I got into education because I wanted to make a difference. And I became a principal because we had some teachers in the school where I was a teacher and, and basketball coach. They'd send kids out in the hallway that were the easiest kids in the world to get along with. And I thought, if somebody could do something about those people, then that would be more of an influence than what I have. And so that's how I became a principal. Um, so my, my principles have really never changed. The, I, I'm a principal. The second week of school, a kid gets sent to the office. I didn't know what to do because I'd never sent a kid to the office. And I went to the best teacher in the school, and I said, this kid got sent to the office. What do I do? And the best teacher in the school said, well, Todd, First thing is always treat it if it's a big deal because it's a big deal to those to that teacher. Even if it's a little stupid deal, it's a big deal to that teacher. Second thing is always have a consequence. No matter how petty it is, have a consequence. Even if the consequence is sit there for 10 minutes, what does that even mean? Third thing is always call the parents. Never let the parents off the hook. Always keep them in the loop. Do not let them off the hook. The fourth thing is get back with that teacher personally and tell them exactly what you did so they feel supported. And guess who that best teacher told? Nobody. Because superstars are never part of the rumor mill. They need you to be successful as bad as you need you to be successful. And I guess that's where I learned always rely on the best teachers. And I'd go to them because they're smarter than me. And I'd go, what do you do about this? How do you do this? What do you think we should do about this? How should we handle it? Before I'd introduce a concept to a teacher, to all my teachers, I'd go to my two best teachers and go, what do you think we should do? Because the best teachers, the superstar's vision is so wide, they're never thinking what's best for me they're thinking what's best for the school, what's best for the kids, and they'll always make the right decisions because of that. So you might as well ask them because they know they're right, and you might as well ask them in advance versus waiting and asking them afterwards. And so for me, making decisions based on the best people was the simplest thing I've ever done in my life. I've always done that. When I'm a teacher, I'm asking the best kids in class, is this stupid? Does this even make any sense? Was this a terrible explanation? Do you think this is too much homework? Should I do this? Was I rude to that student when I said that? Because they tell me, and that was very helpful and gave me guidance. And I and there's always the best people around, so you might as well take advantage of. Them. Again, the best advice. You always give great advice, Todd. 
Well, I know we've had you here for about an hour. <laughs> and I know you said we could go till midnight. What is that? Uh... A little that's the tiniest bobbin head doll. <laughs> I don't know who it is. When I I saw the Rolling Stones in Toronto this summer and Carrie Underwood was with them. Oh, is that why you wanted Carrie Underwood here? That's why I mentioned no, because she did the CMAs with uh Brad Paisley this last week. Oh, yes, she did. She's going to be on uh, December 5th. I think she's doing the Sound of Music Live. The Sound of Music Live? Yeah, live on TV. Yeah. Oh, I find out Doan really is a deer. <laughs> that's right. So that's kind of, you know what I've heard? I've heard it's a female deer. But anyhow, that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, Todd. Well, we appreciate you coming and joining us. I, this has been a, a less formal podcast probably just because you're such a funny guy. Um, and Spike, you look like you were about to say something and then I interrupted. I was. I wanted to make sure because uh, unfortunately we had to mute you, Christine, but she asked, um, what's the best advice for dealing with surprise questions when you're new to a school or a oh, district? Oh, good question. Okay. Christine, would you mind sharing an example question? You can unmute yourself, Christine. Go ahead. Um, so like, uh, this is a teacher sort of coming up and asking for something that you're not sure if it's allowed because you're new to the district or new to the school, and you, you don't want to say yes or no or you know commit to something that you really shouldn't, um, but at the same time, I don't know, it sounds like a good idea, but you're not quite sure. So kind of how to deal with those kinds of situations. Okay. Is it somebody in your gut? Is it somebody who's trying to do the right thing? Or is it somebody who's thinking maybe they can try to take advantage of the new it's principal? It's someone who's trying to take advantage. Okay, gotcha. Um, and and you, you always know that. So I think in that circumstances, just have to say, I'll get back to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't be in a hurry. There's no hurry. Um, and they're trying to do it. They're trying to trip you up. The other thing to realize is that was a specific question, but if you have people who say things to try to rattle you, in other words, they're going, what do you know because you're too young, or what do you know because you haven't been around here, or what do you know? You know what I do? Nothing. Why would you even respond to that? When my three kids say, no, you don't, I don't say, yes, I do. Do you know what's weird? I just ignore it. It's really interesting. And, and you treat, you have certain people in your school who are 30 going on 13, yeah. And so, you know, you have teachers in your school that will ask the kids what, what happened when they got sent to the office. <laughs> think about that. They'll teachers who ask kids that. And you know what I always think? Why don't you just ask them when they got the hickey, too? I mean, that's a similar <laughs> level of question. And, and so, so I want you to think about this, Christine. Are you in elementary, middle school, or high school? Elementary. Christine, do you have some teachers in your school that can't wait to tell the next grade's teachers what the kids are going to be like they're going to get. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you want to know something, Christine? Those teachers are rooting against the future teachers and kids. Yeah. They don't want it to work. They don't want it to be successful. They're hoping they can't teach them either. Mm -hmm. So understand your level of obligation toward that person and the need to immediately respond to them is automatically diminished because think how they treat the kids when they're in a bad mood. Think about it. You know, I saw on Twitter last year a first-year teacher who would written, and I don't know who it was, I retweeted it. A first-year teacher said, colleagues, thank you so much for telling me about next-year students, but I don't want to hear about next-year students because, see, they didn't have me this year. 
And you just have to realize there are certain people that their goal is to hurt you, is to upset you, is to rattle you, because there's just weird people in this world. And you cannot treat abnormal people normally because it's never going to work. So don't feel any obligation to immediately respond. You can't make sense out of no sense. And they're doing something to rattle you, to upset you, to hurt you, whatever this is. But I want you to realize that they're doing that to kids in the classroom, and that's what your worry is. Exactly. People are in your business because they don't have enough business of their own, so you make sure you give them business of their own. You make sure you, they worry about their teaching, then they won't be worried about your leading. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to criticize a leader than it is to be one. True. Very good. Well, thank you so much. Um, Todd, do you have any questions for us? <laughs> No, 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 no. We didn't do that. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I do. Yes, and I it's going to take a little while. Okay. Some of them are extremely personal, but I hope that's okay. I hope that's not going to be a problem. Christine says it's fair. <laughs> no, no, no. I just, I, I just want to know how you all got into this. This is such a great service you provide to other people. I mean, for you to take your own personal time out of this and have this much caring and this much concern. What an honor. And how do we get other people to be like you that are willing to give to the profession that much? And I think that's really a neat thing. Any thoughts on, on ways to do that? Well, well honestly, you. I want to tell you like how this got started. Teresa is a first-year principal, and uh, she had contacted uh, Jessica through Twitter to talk about uh, the possibilities of doing some sort of uh, podcast. And then they ended up contacting me. So I give Teresa a lot of the credit because she's been on the job for just a few months now. And it's so awesome working with her because we get a chance Aww. to kind of relive that first year all over again. <laughs> hey, Teresa, you want, you want a, a couple pieces of first year principal advice? I sure do. <laughs> Teresa, you know what's really interesting? When you walk into that school as a new principal, did you know the secretaries want you to know, they want to know how you want them to answer the phone. I did not know that. When you walk into a school, the secretaries want to know how you want, want them to answer the phone. It makes sense. Until they answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not being silly. You know what happens? Now you're correcting behavior. You're not establishing expectations. That's true. Your teachers are on better behavior the first faculty meeting of the year, your first year, than they'll ever be at any other time that you're in that school. So do not wait to establish expectations. Establish okay. them right away. Yeah. And that's so important. And it's and it's it, and it would have been nice to do it in August, but it's going to be better in November than it is in February. Right. That's true. And, and I'll share with you one other little piece, and I'll, then I'll get out of y'all's hair. Um, I was a principal at 25, and I had a uh, my predecessor sat down with me, and she uh, gave me some advice, you know, trust this person, watch this hallway, whatever. But in addition, she prepared three envelopes for me to use during my time as principal. And I remember going, three envelopes, what are you talking about? She said, for example, you will have a honeymoon period, and oftentimes your honeymoon period will last as long as five, sometimes even ten minutes. She said, but then some deal's got to come up, a bigger deal than any deal you ever had to deal with, and you, and you will not know what to do. And she said, when that happens, you need to run down to the office, close the door, open up the door, and pull out envelope number one. And I said, yeah, yeah. And then she told me about envelope number two, and I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I got off to a great start. My honeymoon period, eight minutes flat. And then some deal came up, a bigger deal than any deal I ever had to deal with, and I thought, I'll never resolve this problem. And then I remembered envelope number one. So I ran down to the office, closed the door, opened up the door, pulled out envelope number one, and inside it said, blame your predecessor. 
<laughs> so that's what I did, and I can see the veteran principals nodding aggressively at that particular piece of advice. Sure enough, I made it through my first semester, got off to a great start my second semester. Everything was going well, and all of a sudden some other deal came up, a bigger deal than any deal I ever had to deal with my first semester, and I thought I'll never resolve this problem. And then I remembered envelope number two. So I ran down to the office, closed the door, opened up the door, pulled out envelope number two, and inside it said, blame the superintendent. <laughs> and I see Jessica nodding aggressively at that particular advice. Anyhow, I made it through my first year, got off to a great start my second year. Everything was going well, and all of a sudden some other deal came up, a bigger deal than any deal I ever had to deal with, and I thought I'll never resolve this problem. And then I remembered envelope number three. So I ran down to the office, closed the door, opened up the door, pulled out envelope number three, and inside it said, prepare three envelopes. So I've always remembered that particular <laughs> piece of advice that that's helpful as uh, we go along. Last thing I would leave everyone with is this. If there's any one thing that principals need to do, they need to do something called teaching, not telling. We do so much telling in education, it's unbelievable. And we need to do teaching. Everybody already does the best they know how, and the first thing we have to do is teach them how better. And once you do, almost everyone will do better. But until you teach them how better, people will continue to be at the same level they are right now. And that's what people like you do. You teach people how to be better. It's such a spectacular thing you're a part of. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much for coming out. I know it was hard to schedule a time with you, and now we've had you for over an hour. It's amazing, Todd. Um, and we do usually, we, we do usually, when you asked about how we do this, we usually have a producer, um, Jeff Bradbury at TeacherCast. However, he had triplets, well, his wife did, um, last weekend, so we're doing this without him and hoping... What kind of an excuse is that? <laughs> I know, I know. So or Jeff, he is listening, this. I believe. Is he listening? All he right. was. He sent me an email and said that he was producing tonight. He's He's here. He's here, and he says he misses us. So Did you know we, Keith Richards was uh, was out of the stones for a little while because he fell on, he climbed up a banana tree and fell out and landed on his head, <laughs> and he had to relearn how to play the guitar, and that's how come they weren't on tour until uh, this year for the first time in like three years. Oh my goodness. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. Can we You're tell people that? Information. Yes, you can. And then Ronnie Wood, of course, was in Faces with Rod Stewart as you all probably remember before he joined the Stones and he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with both the Stones and with Faces. <laughs> Didn't know that either. And Bianca Jagger follows me on Twitter because Yoko Ono won't. Yes, I've heard that story that you can't get Yoko to follow you. Oh, it's very, very hurtful, but at least I got Bianca Jagger too and that's the next best thing. <laughs> oh, oh boy. You're funny. You're funny. Yeah, well, I'm not trying to be. I'm very hurt right now about it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, poor Todd. Always the victim. He is always the victim. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when somebody text, I mean, somebody tweet at Beth Whitaker, too, and just ask her to be a little bit nicer at home. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to. Sure, we're on that. <laughs> She's Beth Whitaker, too, on Twitter, but Beth Whitaker won in my heart. Oh. All right, Todd. Uh... <laughs> Can you just tell us uh, where we can find you uh, for all the people who are listening, not just now, but also in the future, uh, where we can find you, maybe some up upcoming uh, dates, uh, places that you're going to be? Um, well, I have a website, toddwhitaker.com, and all my contact information's on there. Um, next week, I am in Little Rock, Arkansas. I think I'm having uh, dinner with uh, 3D, Daisy Dyer Dewar, 
Um, oh, and, then, and then I'm heading to uh, Nashville, Tennessee to visit my daughter. And then I'm between now and the end of the year, I'm presenting in Columbus, Ohio, Oxford, Mississippi, Nashville, Tennessee, Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, a couple places in a couple states I cannot remember. So if you're one of them, don't worry. I, I haven't lost you off the list. Um, I can't remember. I've got like 15 more between now and the end of the year. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. And you are also, um, your new book is called The Secret Solution, How One Principle Discovered the Path to Success. And that could be, uh, you could buy that on Amazon. Um, I had brilliant co-authors on that that really made it a good book. We did tweet them out, so thank you for that. Yes, and that would be Sam Miller and Ryan Donlin. So, yes, excellent are. job. Excellent. And then Annette Bro is one of my favorite people in the world, and she's on Twitter, and she did the 10 minute in service. Or, and I did the 10 minute oh, in service, good. which has been extremely well received. So, yeah, another great book, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that, that's a winner winner chicken dinner, let me tell you. Okay, very cool. So um, at this point, we will be wrapping up the show. Jessica, could you uh, tell everyone where you could be found and some of the things that you might sure. be doing? I am Principal J um, on Twitter. My website is principalj.net. You can find Teresa as she's Principal Stager. Stager. Thank you. <laughs> Principal Stager. I've learned how to say that the right way. And her website is principalstager at blogspot.com. Um, we also recommend that you follow TeacherCast on Twitter. Um, you can go to TeacherCast.net for blogs and resources, um, and usually TeacherCast.tv for our podcast live. And you can also check us out at PrincipalCast.com. All right. Thank you so much again, Todd, for uh, joining us this evening, and we will be sure to uh, tweet you the link when it gets up on iTunes and when it's on uh, TeacherCast. And once again, thank you for uh, taking your time, and thank you to everyone who uh, listened. You all are unbelievable. Thank you, and see you all on Twitter. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. Do you want to save time on prep work, increase student achievement for all of your students, reliably meet tier one standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve these goals.
That's IXL.com slash B-E.